0: This is Issues 2021. I'm Steve McIntosh. Our guest is Joan Tammany, Executive Director of ComCare of Sedgwick County. Welcome to Issues 2021, Joan. Nice to have you
1: with us. Oh, appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for inviting me.
0: We want to focus on the pandemic's impact on people's mental health today, but let's begin with a a basic question. What is ComCare of Sedgwick County?
1: Um, ComCare is the um, community mental health center here in Sedgwick County. So we're a safety net clinic that um, treats anybody at, from zero to death um, who has insurance, who doesn't have insurance, who may be underinsured and um, uninsured. Um, we provide comprehensive wraparound support services to our community.
0: Uh, is Com- How is ComCare funded? Is it uh, completely Sedgwick uh, County?
1: No, um, we get The bulk of our funding is fee-for-service, so we deliver services to people with insurance and Medicaid or Medicare, and we get reimbursed that way. We also get um, some funding, well, significant funding from the state to treat the under and uninsured. Um, And then we have a variety of different grants that help sustain some of our services, and then we do get um, uh, some funding directed toward some of our services like Crisis and our Offender Assessment Program from the county. So Mm -hmm. lots of variety of funding sources. So now
0: how long have you been with with ComCare?
1: Well, I've been with ComCare in a variety of roles since 1999.
0: Really? What did you do before that?
1: Uh, Before that, I worked um, in leadership positions in several other states um, doing mental health and substance abuse work.
0: Okay. And, And how many employees does ComCare have?
1: Well, we have, um, well, let's talk about the two different pieces. So we okay. have about 500 positions, but presently we have about 380 employees.
0: Okay. Um, has the COVID pandem- the pandemic forced you to cut any staff?
1: We we have not um, eliminated any positions, but COVID has been life-changing for everybody, um, including our workforce, and some have elected to pursue other careers um, as a result of their living through the pandemic. Wow. Okay.
0: Anybody working from home?
1: Yeah. Well, we have um, hybrid workforce. So we have some, nobody's working fully from home. In the height of the pandemic, we had some staff working um, full-time from home, but our staff uh, work between the office and maybe some work um, a few days a week from home um, doing telehealth.
0: And so that's uh, the pandemic's had uh, just can tell us basically overall the pandemic what kind of impact has it had on you and, and your folks there at ComCare?
1: Yeah, it's had a tr- it's had a tremendous um, impact. You know, it, it, we prior to COVID, we did very little telehealth work, um, believing that persons preferred to be seen in person um, in the community. We still believe seeing people in the community is pivotal um but as a result of the pandemic we had to make decisions around safety for our staff and safety for our patient population and so Last March, we moved from all in-person services to full telehealth for many, many months um, due to the spread um, of the pandemic, and um, that kept our workforce safe, it kept our patients safe, and we learned a lot. Our patients and our staff like telehealth. So going forward, we anticipate having a hybrid mix of services uh, to best meet individual patient needs.
0: Mm. All right. Now, a few of my male friends in the 50 to 70 age bracket, I won't be too specific, but (laughs) recently uh, chatting with some of the guys, uh, they've admitted to some pretty strong negative feelings, maybe even anxiety or depression in recent months uh, because of the pandemic, I guess. But is this common for guys my age during this pandemic?
1: Well, I think so. I mean, I, you know, I think we've seen um, an increase of anxiety and depression across all age spectrums. Um, But, you know, routine is really important for people and people in the 50 to 70 age range are usually out and about and connections are really pivotal for them and not being able to have that same degree of personal connection. Um, has a huge impact on how you experience the world. Um, it's also the population that was being really heavily hit with um, hospitalizations. And so uh, there was a lot of fear and anxiety um, that came with that. So I think it is a common experience for that age group, but I think it's a common ex- experience for all age groups. Mm-hmm. Uh, during COVID, you
0: make a good point there. And that is that we do, at our age, like to be in our routines and our comfort zones. And this thing has been uh, almost disastrous for anybody who likes to do it the, the same way we did it yesterday, right?
1: Oh, absolutely. And then, you know, as we age, the you know what becomes more important it's not the materialistic things it's the people it's the connections you have with others it's it's feeling, um, the the feeling of of having friends and long lasting relationships and all of that's been disrupted in 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 different ways for different people.
0: Now you say you've seen increases in people of all ages and genders seeking help during the pandemic is that correct and.
1: Well, let let me clarify. Um, I indicated that um, anxiety and depression is impacting all age groups. I will say our experience and that of many of our peer organizations across the country have seen a decline in people asking for help um so people are suffering and people are experiencing high degrees of distress and and anxiety and um thoughts of of negativity but they're not necessarily reaching out for the help so this this is really important because mm-hmm. um you know there is help and there is support um if people want it and um need it mm-hmm. so i think it's really important to differentiate the volume of distress in our communities versus the volume of people accessing services.
0: Now, uh, have you seen increases in people? Do you have one or two age groups that seem to be most affected by, by this pandemic?
1: Um, No, I can't say particularly that there's a specific age group. You know, we have a heavy focus on children's services. Um, You know, we have school programming, um, and it's been really important to find new ways to reach that age group uh, during the pandemic because many people weren't attending school. So getting... Those folks connected with services has been a little trickier, but we've put a lot of emphasis on staying connected with school leadership and the counselors in the in the individual schools in our district. Um, uh, but that's just one population. We've also had a, a group of individuals um, in their, I would say, anywhere from 25 to maybe 40 who um, have kind of hunkered down and have not Um, been coming in for services that we've had to outreach in creative ways through individual handwritten postcards to repeated phone calls um, to trying to stop by their house now that the community is opening up, trying to reach them because they haven't really um, been accessing services that we know they desperately need. So I can't say that there's a particular age group that's been more impacted than another or who we've tried to outreach in a more meaningful way with it's been across the whole age range
0: I had a, a, a disturbing experience so I've got uh, twin granddaughters who are fourteen years of uh-huh. age. uh and they had gotten wind of a couple of uh apparently a couple of suicides recently of uh, young people in their age group and uh, it had a real impact on them um, you know these were just as i understand it like eighth or ninth grade girls that committed suicide and it uh, th- that's tragic. I mean, this, is that part of the thing that's going on?
1: Well, you know, we're he- we're we're hearing and reading that the the suicide rate amongst young young adolescents and young adults has gone up. I will say, locally, we know people are suffering, but we haven't seen a transition or a large increase in suicides, which which is a blessing. But that doesn't mean that people aren't suffering, you know. And and that's the tragic piece is. There is help available, um, but it, you know, among the particular age group that you're asking about is the 14-, 15-, 16-year-olds, you know, we do worry that if one person takes their life, that it becomes an option for others who are struggling. Um, So, again, I just want, for anybody listening out there, is if any behavioral changes are occurring in your youth um, or if they're starting to isolate, it's never too early to call for help.
0: Can we go ahead and just, uh, pitch the crisis hotline right now, 24 uh, hours. Yeah, go ahead.
1: Yeah, I think that's really important. You know, we have a community crisis center that's available to anybody in our community 24-7, 365 days a year. Uh, we got caring folks that answer the phone lines um, who are there to provide some guidance or assistance or support, whatever the need may be. Uh, that number is 660-7500. Um, if people want to walk in or come see us in person, we're at 635 North Main. It, it really is a place to just get support. Um, and that's really necessary in this time. I, I, I can't underscore the importance of reaching out for help because um, without reaching out for help, many people feel isolated and alone and as if there aren't the same choices that we know there are. You know, suicidal thoughts. Um, can linger over time, but the, the instinct to act on that, the impulse to act is usually temporary and short-term in nature. So um, knowing that there's resources out there to help, listening and, and watching your friends and your neighbors who may be distressed is just really pivotal because if we can get them through that moment, the likelihood of of them um, improving the quality of life is, is, is high.
0: You're listening to Issues 2021 on the Intercom radio stations, and our guest is Joan Tammany, Executive Director of Calm Care of Sedgwick County. I want to just just stay with the suicide for just a little bit longer. Uh, w- when should we take our own thoughts of suicide as being serious enough to call somebody? Is there a, s- a special button that you that you hear or see?
1: Well, that differs per per individual, but if if you're spending, um. More time thinking about um negative thoughts than positive thoughts if you're not future oriented that's the time to start thinking about calling for help if if your behavior has changed and you're 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 staying in your room more or um you, you know you um uh, are thinking that you know nobody needs me around, I'm a burden, that's too late because you're already pretty deep into the thoughts of self-harm or possible suicide. So, you know, if you're starting to feel down and your lifestyle is changing, and I know that's different today than it was a year ago before this pandemic because many people are still not going out, but if your thoughts are starting to become negative in terms of your value in this world, call, call Mm. immediately.
0: And what about, uh, you, you, I think you touched on this briefly, but what should we watch for in others who are close to us that may be the warning signs, if you will?
1: Yeah, you're looking at somebody who is talking, uh, not not having a lot of hopeful thoughts or comments that they're making that, um, again, are focused on the, the pain in the moment versus what their life could be like in the future. You know, you got the traditional things that often aren't seen, um, like giving things away or, um, you, you know, we hear often from family members who have lost a loved ones, and they say, you know, I just didn't see all of that. Um, so you're really just looking for changes in behavior. And it could be somebody who's starting to drink more or using drugs when they didn't use them in the past. You're talking about somebody who may have um, lost their job and feel like they'll never get another one. It could be somebody who's quit their job because they're no longer finding joy in it. It's any change of behavior, and it could be very subtle. So you need to think about what it was maybe a month ago versus what it is now um, because it's not always very obvious. You know, there's a lot of shame attached to um, somebody who's struggling with a mental health issue. There shouldn't be, this is no different than having diabetes or heart disease. Um, But there's a lot of shame attached to it and there's a lot of stigma attached to it. So looking for help, asking for help often isn't there. So it is pivotal that, family and friends be on the lookout for others.
0: That was one of my questions. <laughs> you, you got to it before I could get to it. But then again, uh, a little bit more about uh, the stigma that some people feel in seeking help for mental problems. Uh, first of all, if they do, everything's confidential. I mean, it's not going to be broadcast to the world. But uh, nope. what else can you say about about that stigma? Tell me about that a little bit.
1: Yeah, I think, you know... <sighs> When you think about diabetes, nobody really has shame about going to a doctor to be treated for diabetes, and yet mental health is one of those issues where people don't reach out for help, and it's because it's seen as a a character flaw or a personal deficit, and it's not. It's a brain disease, um, one that is not something that you ask to have any more than you ask to be born with heart disease or, you know... Uh, breathing issues or anything else of that nature. It's a chronic illness for many. Um, It will stick around for a long time, but that doesn't mean that your quality of life has to be negative all the time any more than if you treated your diabetes. You know, you can get that under control and feel like you're doing well. I I just really worry that, you know, we don't take this serious enough. You know, the reality is, is physical health impacts emotional health, and emotional health impacts physical health. So the longer somebody struggles with an emotional health issue, the more likely that person is to to develop chronic long-term physical health disease. And the longer somebody has a physical health disease, the more likely they are to experience an emotional reaction to being sick. So th- they're interconnected. They're not separated. They're both, they're both part of who we are physically. Um, so talking about stigma, I just can't underscore enough the importance of people to start aligning emotional health the same way they look at physical health and get treated for it. Early intervention is so important. Um, you know, it's It's tragic for us as healthcare care providers, too, when somebody is to the point where they think their life isn't worth living, and we want to be here prior to that thought process happening.
0: Again, repeating the 24-hour crisis hotline is 660 Let's talk about Correct. some some other ComCare services. Tell me about uh, Addiction Treatment Services.
1: Yeah, we are one of many substance abuse service agencies here in in the Wichita and Sedgwick County area. We provide um, intake and referral, and we also deliver group and individual therapy for people who are struggling with a um, substance use disorder. And just like mental health, There is a brain component to substance use and addiction. So I think uh, the same pieces that we talked about before with stigma around mental health need to apply to those who are struggling with um, an addiction. And not only addiction to substances like alcohol and other drugs, but gambling addiction um, is a really important aspect of work we do as well. Um, We know that oftentimes people with a gambling addiction don't seek help until their life has spiraled out of control and they've lost almost anything. I mean, everything in their life. um, how sad that somebody thinks that help isn't available before that point. So again, looking out for your loved ones and those you know, um, make them aware that there is treatment available in the community. And just like mental health, the, the privacy aspects of substance use treatment is there. Um, our goal is to try to make your life better, not make it more complicated. Um, and it, I don't want people to wait until they get arrested for something related to their substance use um, An addiction, either come before that happens, and um, uh, that way, that way, you're you're taking control of your life and um, taking the step away from stigma and recognizing that it too is a brain disorder.
0: Talk about your outpatient services. What is that?
1: Well, outpatient services is anything from coming in and talking about what's going on in your life and being screened for risk and service recommendations. To individual therapy with a qualified mental health clinician who has a master's degree. To if if people meet eligibility, we have case managers who help you navigate um, symptom management in the community, help teach coping skills, um, uh, practice uh, navigating the community. You know a lot of people with. Uh, a severe emotional disturbance, um, have trouble getting on public transportation will help with that. Um, so it's a, it's a variety of different services. It could be medication management services with one of our advanced registered practitioners or a psychiatrist. Uh, to supplement talk therapy, um, so it's a whole range of different services. Group work is really important. Um, when you, uh, I know it's hard for people to talk about their issues in a group setting, but there's nothing more rewarding than being in a group of people who share your experience and you learn from one another.
0: Do you? Uh, you may have touched on this before. If you have, uh, that's fine. But uh, do you? Do you do any? Uh, Family counseling. Take a take a whole family in.
1: You know we do. We have. Um, thank you for bringing that up. Uh, we have a large children's program, and um, oftentimes it's the emotional needs of a child that bring a family to services. But you're not treating the child in isolation. You know the child is a product of a larger family unit. So um, we do have the availability of family therapy and, and couples counseling and all those things as well. Although we don't, we don't do a ton of couples therapy, but we do a lot of family work. Mm.
0: Law enforcement people are telling me that uh, that uh, the people they're seeing, uh, they're seeing an increase in the number of people with drug and mental challenges on the street being confronted, as you know, the people who probably shouldn't be on the street or in jail. Uh, Do we need more facilities in Sedgwick County to deal with that kind of situation?
1: You ask a really complex question. Oh, Um, sorry. No, 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 and I know not in terms of could we benefit from more service. Of course we can um, benefit from more service, but the needs of people, you know, you talk about homelessness, you talk about mental health, you talk about substance use, and, and when you have all of those um coming together at once it's a complex patient at that point, and their needs are pretty significant, so there is need uh but, you know the the reality is is there's not very many safety net providers in the community, so there's lots of private practitioners that will work with people who have insurance or an ability to pay out of pocket for um for example talk therapy therapy with a master's degree clinician. We have a lot of service providers who also treat people who um, uh, live in poverty or have no insurance, but it tends to be siloed. So there's not a lot of comprehensive service agencies in our community. That's where community mental health centers come in. Um, we're statutorily obligated, um, and it's it's a privilege to treat this population as a whole person. So... Um, You know, there's not a lot of funding for that mission-driven work. So, of course, there's need for additional services. Where we're lacking is um, critical to our community is um, medical detox without having to go into a hospital, Um, inpatient substance abuse services or residential substance abuse services. I mean, your wait time to get into one of those facilities could be, six to 12 weeks or longer. And, you know, if somebody comes in asking for help today, the likelihood of them staying clean and sober until they can get to a residential treatment center in in 12 weeks is just nearly impossible. Um, So we definitely have... um, not only regional need, but we have statewide need when it comes to that higher level of care where somebody can literally step away from their life for a period of time and focus on recovery.
0: Joan, I, I can see some of the challenges or many of the challenges of job, of your job and what you do every day, but what's the good part? What's uh, What uh, really gets you going about, about uh, coming to work every day?
1: Oh, there is no greater privilege than people taking us into their lives and trusting enough, us enough to work with them on their road to recovery, be it from their mental health issues or their substance abuse issues. I mean, that, that takes a lot of courage for somebody to step through our doors. And for me, the fact that people step through our doors every day, although we, can, um, we know our community, there's more people that can step through our doors to address their needs. Um, but, I mean, what a privilege. I, I, that's the rewarding piece. And to see people go from desperation to getting a job again and socializing with friends. I mean, those those things are just intangibly rewarding.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, we appreciate your time uh, this morning. And just uh, to say that there's a pandemic on and maybe you've been having some dark thoughts and whatnot. But again, uh, don't uh, be afraid to reach out and get some help. ComCare is a place where you can get some help pretty quickly there. 660-7500 is their hotline. Hey, listen, thanks for spending some time with us. We appreciate it, Joan. and we we'll Steve. hope to talk to you again uh, real soon. Our guest this week is Joan Tammany, Executive Director of ComCare of Sedgwick County. That's all for this edition of Issues 2021. We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening. I'm Steve McIntosh.